Deborah, my wife of 43 years, um, doesn't like her name mentioned publicly as much as I sometimes do, but she loves to have her feet rubbed. <laughs> this I know. She loves to have her feet rubbed, and I'm the one who gets to do it. I keep our house stocked with plenty of good quality foot lotion, and I'm the one who gets to apply it. Sometimes I, I come to bed at night and a foot's already out of the, of the sheets as if to say, here I am, I'm, I'm waiting for the, uh, the ritual. This you need to know about me. I do not want my foot rubbed by anybody, anytime, for any reason. My feet are very ticklish and sensitive, and uh, Deborah doesn't get away with that. Nobody will. In fact, at times I've wondered, I, I wouldn't make a very good brethren pastor because they do foot washing before communion. It's just part of their ritual, and I, I'd be uncomfortable in that setting. Our focus is on feet in this series. Maybe you've noticed at the feet of Jesus. Um, Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening to him speak and hang in on every word. Last week we looked at the leper who bowed down and I assume he was near the feet of Jesus begging to be made clean. This week you don't have to assume anything. Jesus' feet are the focus of this text. Jesus' feet are mentioned seven times here and the woman just pours it on maybe even, in a sense, overdoes it. But she is, first of all, washing his feet with her tears, wiping him dry with her hair, kissing him with her lips, taking this expensive ointment and rubbing it in with her hands, anointing him. This is an amazing act right at the feet of Jesus. Now, you may be picturing a table like we ordinarily eat at, and you would wonder, what's she doing under the table at his feet? Um, you need to picture something different. We're reclining around a low table, and all the invited guests have their head and their hands where they can get at the food, but their feet are spread out, fanned out around this, this big table. And uninvited guests can be a part of this public event, especially when someone as pronounced and famous as Jesus is coming through. And so that's the setting, but our focus still this morning is not going to be on Jesus' feet. What I want us to focus on is the woman who's at Jesus' feet, the woman who positions herself there where she so carefully gives so much attention to his feet, and to see that we are much like her in our path to a peaceful relationship with the living God. So if you'll look at verse 47 in the text, this will become our grounding spot. Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. So let's start with her sins, which were many. When Luke introduces this woman, she's introduced as a sinner. When the Pharisee Simon thinks of her, he thinks a sinner. When Jesus refers to her, it's, it's interesting, he doesn't label her a sinner, but he does point out her sins. Do you see the difference? It's quite a difference. Jesus, in his compassion, sees her sins, acknowledges them, but he doesn't call her a sinner. 
Then he tells this story right in the center of the text about two debtors. If you know even from the Lord's Prayer, debts and sins are equal. We have one whose sins are ten times the other. But if you notice, they're both in debt. And neither of them can pay that debt back. Did you see that? They're both in a desperate situation. One with a bigger debt than the other, but both needing help. This woman, and I might say the man, Simon the Pharisee, are images, are pictures of us, all of us. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and perfection. We've broken the relationship between holy God and, and us that he intended to be eternal and intimate. But we broke it in our own rebellion. And to be honest, there's nothing you and I can do to mend that relationship. We are so in debt. We are helpless, but for someone else's intervention. And so the story of the creditor and the debtors is, is plugged right into this incident very intentionally to remind, especially the woman with her great sins, that this is the desperate situation we're all in. Do you see this woman in the text? She's all of us. Do you see the, the Pharisee? We, some of us can relate to him too. All of us have sinned. And we're right there with her. So Jesus spoke of her sins, which were many, but then he said they've been forgiven. So let's take a look at her forgiver. You know, when Jesus comes into the room and when this woman comes into this room, I believe that they've already had an interaction and a relationship. I think we're looking at a sequel, part two. Jesus in his public ministry was often sharing the forgiveness of sins through repentance and trust in him. And I think this woman got it. And she was so relieved, she brought her ointment to say thanks. She walked into this room forgiven. But later, for the sake of all the others who couldn't see that forgiveness and only knew her as a sinner, Simon heard Jesus declare she's forgiven. And then Jesus turned to the woman and said, your sins are forgiven in verse 48. And then others, the guests, were they all Pharisees? We don't know. But the other guests at the table, they said, who is this who thinks he can forgive sins? Only God in their theology, only God can forgive sins. Well, many of us know, and maybe a few of us don't, that Jesus claims to be God even by this very act of forgiving sins. He claims to be the eternal, loving God who alone can forgive sins. Jesus is the creditor who can cancel the debts. Jesus is God himself. And they're confused because they're, they're not able to handle that at the end of the story. Jesus, the one who forgives, holds out forgiveness and offer forgiveness to all of us. Big sinners, little sinners. But that offer of forgiveness is not forced on anybody. It's free, but it's not pushed and forced. We, we take that if we choose. We reject it if we choose. How to take it? I think we just follow the steps of this woman. We admit 
we have sinned against God. Again, whether great or little, we've, we've sinned. Just admit that. And then believe that Jesus came to, to pay the penalty for our sins and to invite us into a forgiveness that only God can do. That's the way we enter the forgiveness. We take that free gift. It's a gift given to us freely, and we take it by faith. At the very end of the story, Jesus tells her, your faith has saved you. Nothing else. Your faith in me, your trusting in me, has really taken care of this broken relationship and put it back together. So the one who had great sins knew God's great forgiveness and comes to express her great love. That's, that's the third point in verse 47. Her great love. Wow, what love. Love that makes us even a little embarrassed to try to imagine what she was doing. But, but when I look at the way she expressed it, starting at the end of verse 37, she's very intentional. This wasn't just kind of a spontaneous expression. It was intended. She brought this expensive ointment because she was going to anoint his feet with it. Maybe the tears were more spontaneous, but her worship was intentional. Her love was intentional. It didn't just happen by chance. And it was humble. She stood at his feet. She stood behind him. And that was a way of saying, I don't deserve to be right in the middle of things. She did it with emotion, weeping and tears. She did it with her whole body engaged. She did it, as some would say, quite extravagantly, expensively, lavishly, maybe over-the-toply, she just poured it out. It gets almost to the point where it's offensive. You can imagine the Pharisee, the host. This is getting way out of hand. Some would even see a little bit of erotic in it. It's like, this shouldn't be happening. This is inappropriate. But whatever it is, she does all her expression of love without ever saying a word. I think it's remarkable. She never says a word in this whole story. Yet Jesus could see her great love. And Jesus accepted her great love, which is remarkable. I mean, he doesn't seem to be embarrassed or uncomfortable when people are messing with his feet. I would be. He's not. He takes our worship. He takes our appreciation and love for him and accepts it as a gift. She becomes a model for you and me. She becomes, for all of us who have been forgiven, forgiven of our sins, we, we want to take time and effort, even emotions, our whole body, our whole life, and say thanks to the God who's forgiven us. Maybe we do it in actions and not just words, but we do it in ways that even show him that we love other people he's created and we don't just put a label of sinner on them and dismiss them, but we see potential that they too, each person like me, can be forgiven. There is no unforgivable sin except rejecting the free forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And we should be able to see that in everybody. Whatever it is, she is she's a model. Do you see this woman? She's a model of a sinner forgiven and loving the God who forgave, who gave, forgave her. That, that model is a model for you and me to enter into <clears throat> in a way where 
where we can follow in her footsteps. I would call them the ABCs of having peace with God. You want to leave as she did in God's peace? Then admit your sin. That's part of what we do when we gather in Lent and come to this table is confess, admit our sins, whether big or little, public, private. Admit the brokenness that we've brought in our relationship with God. Then to believe, B, believe in Jesus Christ as the only forgiver, the one who invites us into a right relationship with his Father. And finally, to cherish Jesus with our whole life and those around us, our neighbors, as he would have us cherish them. So with that, we can become like this woman. Do you see this woman? Have you really taken a look at her? Seen her as more than a sinner? She's forgiven. She's loving Jesus, and she wants to be a model for each one of us. Let's pray. God, would you give us Jesus in full measure and know of his forgiveness? Would you give us your spirit in full measure and know how to love, to love you in worship and service, love our neighbor as ourselves? We need you. We are desperate, unable to pay off our debt without you in our lives. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Spirit. Bring your ministry and give us peace, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.